0: Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, good morning again as we gather here. The new month, it's February, and so we're going to kick off a new sermon series. And, you know, as we do that, the first thing you have to do is get out your little sheet of paper. You got the little eight and a half by 11 blank sheet of paper there. You've got yours. I've got mine. And, and, and we're going to do—this is really important. You've got to follow the directions— You need to know you're not going to build an airplane. No throwing airplanes up front. No making wads of paper called snowballs and throwing those up front. This is really important. So first thing you're going to do is you're going to take one corner. It doesn't matter which one. Just make sure it's the longer side. Take that corner, and you're going to fold that over. All right, so now your white sheet of paper should look something like this here. Could look like this, might look like that, but probably should look something like this here. All right, now some I mean, of you are still working on it, you know, it's all right, I'll we'll give you a few more moments, you've got that paper folded over. I know it's kind of early in the morning at... 1015 10, 1020 10, All right so now now you got this everyone kind of I'll be like the teacher everyone hold up your paper let's make sure you got it good job now the next part's a little more challenging you're going to take this corner here and you're going to fold it across this way So you get a nice crease in your paper it should look something like this here yeah it kind of looks like it'd be a a house or a church or something like that right now you got that you should open it up and you open it up it should have four different spots right one at the bottom is a little bit bigger the other top three and the sides are like a triangle right so here's what you're going to do next with this magical sheet of paper I just want to see if you'd follow along. Well, as we begin this new series, we're going to take a look at, at the gospel lesson today from Luke chapter 10. And it's a, probably a fairly familiar story, a parable for a lot of us here, a parable of the Good Samaritan. And we're going to do that. It's going to be kind of our theme text as we kind of explore, you know, what it means for us to be neighboring in the 21st century. And to do that, we're going to kick that off with a little bit of a story of a life of a Presbyterian minister who I think for a lot of folks, this Presbyterian minister helped them understand what it meant to be a neighbor. So we're going to take a look here at a movie clip. This is a 2019 movie, so just a recent movie. And, you know, the scene is in a subway. So we'll see if, if you maybe are familiar with this Presbyterian minister. I don't know. Let's take a look and see. Of course, that's who? Mr. No, it was Tom Hanks, actually. Not Mr. Rogers. It is Tom Hanks playing Mr. Rogers in the 2019 biopic, you know, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. How many of you grew up watching Mr. Rogers? How many of you um, watched maybe reruns or watched with your children? How many of you have no idea who Mr. Rogers is? See, Mr. Rogers died off, you know, I mean, he died, well, he died out. But the show quit. Its last episode was August thirty first, 2001. It was on PBS for a number of more years. And after that, he just kind of disappeared. It used to be the longest-running children's program with 912 episodes, including some of the specials that they had. You know, it began back in February nineteenth, nineteen 1968. Of course, as you saw in the subway scene, and it's great because this is all based on a true story, that Mr. Rogers had this great little question that he had opened up with, and this question that I think fits into our 21st century and is really at the heart of the gospel lesson for today. And that question is, won't you be my what? Neighbor. Won't you be my neighbor? So let's talk about neighboring. That's what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks here in the month of February. You know, February is a great month. February is Groundhog Day, and according to the Groundhog, winter is gone and spring is here, but wait till tomorrow because winter's back. You know, it's also February, it's Super Bowl Sunday, right? You know, and a lot of folks are going to spend a good part of the late afternoon and early evening eating a bunch of really good, healthy food <laughs> and watching commercials and maybe a football game. It's also, and I can't remember exactly how to say the term, but this is something that won't happen again until March 3rd of the year 30,030. You see, this is 0202, 2020. And if you read it backwards, it's 0202, 2020. So just, it's unique. You lived to this moment in life. And February is also, I mean, is a lot of a lot of great things. You know, it's, you got President's Day in February. You got things like... Valentine's Day in love. And we're gonna kind of use that idea of love to talk about what it means for us as we're loved by our Savior to live out our lives in love. And what it means for us to, to neighbor. You think about you know neighboring and what it was like to to neighbor, you know, in the history of Nebraska. You know, a lot of folks came from all parts of the world, you know, decades ago, and they moved when they landed on the East Coast, and they came here, and they built these small communities. And decades ago, neighboring, you know, meant that you, you were aware of your neighbors, and you cared for your neighbors. It meant your kids couldn't get away with anything. You know, neighboring meant that you'd have maybe a barn raising, or if somebody was sick, you'd help them take care of their, their crops, and you would, you know, get the harvest ready. Or it meant that you know, you'd get together and you'd have, you know, stitching clubs or you build quilts or you'd play cards or go bowling. This idea of neighboring and being in community and connection with one another. But today, today neighboring can mean something a little bit different. Because most of us neighboring means something like this. You know, you come home, you push the button, the garage door opens, you pull in, you push the button, turn off the cars, the garage door closes, and you go inside the house and close the door, right? Neighboring, depending on, on who you are and where you live, neighboring could be something like this. And This is the way it was for me in college. The last year that I was in the dorms, we had these guys that lived upstairs. You know what? And I think they had weighted boots because usually at one or two o'clock in the morning, we'd hear, and then again. And so my, my roommate, who was the RA, he and I you know, decided we knew we how to uh, make sure that we told them we appreciated that about the couple hours when they'd fall asleep. Our bunk beds were to put the highest we could. We'd get in our backs, and we'd kick the ceiling in response. You know, but that's being neighborly, right? Or, you know, neighboring. What kind of neighbors do you have? Maybe you have the neighbors, you know, again, roommates. You know, if you live in an apartment in close quarters, you get the ones that talk really, really loud. You know, play the video games, the TV really loud at wee hours of the night or maybe early in the morning. Or if you live out, you know, you got a house and this neighbor who has their windows open and the music is blaring. I'm going to give you the kind of music that you don't really listen to. Or maybe neighboring, the neighbor you have is the neighbor who at 7 o'clock on Saturday morning is mowing their lawn. Some of you are guilty of that, aren't you? That neighboring is maybe the person who today is waving the their 49er banner. They're a San Francisco fan. <laughs> boo i heard some of you say you know what does it mean for us to be a neighbor what does it mean to be neighboring in 2020 we're going to take a look here at this text of the good samaritan and what it means again for us to be a neighbor so let's read here verse 29 of the gospel let's read this together who is my neighbor now let's put this into context This guy here, sometimes some translations call him like an attorney or a lawyer. Probably not the best because when I think of attorney or lawyer, I think, you know, I'm standing before a judge in court. These guys were experts in Moses' teaching, you know, the law. And as an expert in Moses' teaching, you know, he one, they often want to trip Jesus up, but he wants to come and kind of justify himself, saying, look, I've done a really good job. i followed all these rules. Check the box, check the box, check the box. Or go back to the series we had in January... And, and our theme verse was Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. And 8 9 talk about that we're not saved by what we do, but this is what this guy is wanting to prove. How can I be certain that I have eternal life? And what does the law say, Jesus ask him? Well, the law says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And love your neighbors you love yourself. And Jesus is like, all right, sounds good, so go and do that. And Jesus, you know, knows this in again, in his head, he's thinking, I've done a really good job. I followed all the rules. I, I'm good. But then he asks this question, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells him this parable, this story that we call the Good Samaritan. And in this story, there is a man traveling from Jerusalem, higher elevation, down to Jericho. So he's going down this mountainous kind of path. And as he's going down this path, you know, some robbers, thugs, thieves, they they get him. And, you know, it was a dangerous path. And, And they beat him up, right? Beat him up, take everything he has, and leave him for half dead. You know, he's lying there. Half dead. And along comes this path, a priest. And as the priest walks by, you know, what does he do? He, you know, sees this guy lying there, and he does what? He comes over to help him out, right? No, he, he, he kind of sidesteps, goes around the guy. Now, maybe, maybe he thought he was already dead, right? So why help the guy? Because he's dead. Just walk around him. And so he goes on his way. Now a Levite comes, so another guy who should be kind of an up-and-standing you know, religious leader in the community comes by, and he sees this guy lying on the road and does what? He does the same thing the priest does. He kind of steps around him and goes about his way. Now before we give these guys too much of a hard time, you know, I have to understand that you know, partly is that they see this as a... A crisis moment for them because this guy is dead or close to death. If they touch him, if they stop to help him, they touch him, they become contaminated. To touch something dead made you ritually contaminated, ritually unclean. And so they decide that what's more important is that they stay ritually clean, uncontaminated. And so they go on down the path. And as Jesus tells the parable, then a the third guy shows up. He's a Samaritan. And when he sees this guy, he does what? Yeah, he stops to help him, right? He bandages his wounds, finds out the guy's not dead, you know, puts him on his donkey. And he goes into the next community and goes to an inn and takes care of the guy for the night gives the innkeeper two silver coins. It's about at least two days' wages. It says, take care of them until you know, it gets better, and then when I'm on my way back, I, I will take care of whatever the tab is. You know, then Jesus you know, turns to the guy and says, now which of these guys is the neighbor? Now, you have to understand a few things here about the Samaritans and the Jews, and really probably better defined as Samaritan Jews and Judean Jews. Jesus and his disciples, the Levite, the priest—they are Judean Jews. And the Samaritan Jews. This is one of the times they were carried away into captivity. The Judean Jews saw the Samaritan Jews as contaminated, not good, unclean, and so there's this sense of this animosity towards one another there's this prejudice towards one another think about it like this like the Hatfields and the McCoys if you know the Hatfields and McCoys or if you think about like during you know the Civil War the North and the South and the Dixie line divided sometimes families and communities or maybe think about you know the 49er fans and the Kansas City Chief fans or even in our current political environment, those who are on one side of a political opinion to those who are on the other side of a political opinion. The Samaritan Jews and the Judean Jews did not get along, did not have any respect for one another. In fact, the Judean Jews would take a longer path to get Farther down the road to go south in Israel rather than cutting through Samaria. And and, and take note of this. You, You can see this sense of animosity, this sense of prejudice when Jesus asks the question, so which guy was a neighbor to him? And what does the expert in the law say? Better yet, what doesn't he say? Because what he doesn't say, well, the Samaritan was. You kind of get the sense, the guy folding his arms, rolling his eyes, and says, I suppose the one that was kind to him, the one that showed him mercy. You, You get that sense of animosity, that prejudice that existed between these two people groups. Yet Jesus uses this one, this one that would be considered an outcast, one that would be considered unclean and unworthy, as the one who demonstrates mercy, who demonstrates God's mercy, who demonstrates what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, the word for mercy here is an Aramaic word, the Aramaic word is rahem. Rahem, it, it really comes from the root word is to talk about womb. So you, you get the sense of, of mercy, the, the, the love, the compassion that a mother has for her child. That, that kind of connection. So you know, what do we learn from the Good Samaritan, as we call him? Well, first of all, we learn that the Good Samaritan was willing to get involved. The Good Samaritan could have, just like the Levite and the priest, made all kinds of excuses. I don't want to get unclean. I don't want to see, like, I'm hanging out with that kind of guy. Oh, I already gave to the church. I already, already volunteered. You know, I've given enough already. Could have made all kinds of excuses. But rather than excuses, he gets involved. Secondly, he ignores the racism and the prejudice that existed between the two people groups. He gets involved and he ignores the animosity that existed between the two groups. And thirdly, he's generous. He is generous as he stops with his time to help this man up, to bandage his wounds. He's generous as he puts him on his own, you know, animal, and, and they ride in to this next village, and he takes care of them, and he, he gives the innkeeper two coins and says, whatever else the tab is, I'll take care of it when I get back, which makes me kind of wonder if he's done this before, that there was a level of trust, that there, there was a character, you know, quality that this guy had. We learn what it really means to be a neighbor. And think about that song again, you know, Mr. Rogers, Won't You Be My Neighbor? The Samaritan was the true neighbor because he showed mercy and compassion, even though he had nothing to gain from it. The story of the Good Samaritan shows us that a true neighbor has nothing to do with closeness as much as it is to show compassion and mercy to those that God places in our path. My neighbor, your neighbor, our neighbors is anyone who crosses our path of life. As a follower of Jesus, as those who have experienced his love, his compassion, his mercy, he calls us to go and do Likewise. In fact, that's what he says to that expert in Moses' teaching. Let's read this together, Luke ten thirty-seven. Go and imitate his example. Go and do likewise. Live like this guy lived. Don't make excuses. Get involved. Don't let prejudice and, and racism and, and all those preconceived ideas stop you. Be generous. Be compassionate. Or God has been compassionate for you? Yeah, I don't know about you, there, there are times I know that I have my preconceived ideas and I, and I let those, you know, shape my decisions and my attitude and my actions. But we learned here that this man was shaped by mercy, by love and compassion. So as we're, we're in this series on, on neighboring and the kind of the question, won't you be my neighbor? You know, what we're going to do is we're going to um, help us kind of think through who is our neighbor. And again, our neighbors aren't necessarily just those who are close to us. And God's call for us to show them compassion and mercy. All right, so now what I want you to do is take out your sheet of paper. You thought maybe I really just made you fold it just to see if I could get you to do it. So on this sheet of paper, again, you've got three sections or four sections, but three at the top here. And on this section here, so that would be the left side. I'm going to have you write the word live, L-I-V-E. So it should look something like this here. I'll show you paper. You write the word live. And here, you know, you'll know, you start figuring out what we're going to do here. What you're going to do is I want you to write down the, the names of people who are in this neighborhood where you live. So, you know, if you're a roommate, it's your roommates. It's the um, weighted boot soccer players that lived above you at 2 o'clock in the morning. It's the um, landlord. You know, it's the people who live actually in physical close proximity to where you live, where you lay your head down to rest. And, And as you do that, you know, if you don't know their names, you know, Use some kind of word to describe them. And think about who those people are that live where you live. Some of you look like you're still working on it. Some are kind of working on to the next part. And so if you want, the next part, top, that's the middle, upper part. You're going to write the word, depending on, you know, maybe where you're at in life. You can write the word work. Or if you're in school, you can write the word school down. If you're retired, I don't know what you write if you're retired. 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 You still work somewhere, I'm sure. But you're going to write this area, you know, the, these are the people that you, you work with or you go to school with. These are your classmates. These are, again, people you work with. They, they're your employees, your supervisors. And th- this is maybe, you know, that, that janitor that you see, you know, if you're working late at night. It, where whoever's part of that work neighborhood, that work community that you're a part of. And again, same thing, you know, go ahead and, and write down their names, you know, and, and kind of what you know about them. I mean, if you don't know a whole lot, you might just know, hey, for the last seven years I worked with this guy named Bob, and the only thing I know about Bob is he likes the same donut that I do. That's why I get there 15 minutes before he does to make sure I get the donut. But write down, you know, what you do know about some of these different people. As you think, again, we've got an area where we live You know, we lay our heads down to rest. We kick off our shoes when we're at home. And a place where we we work, we study. Some me again, I know you're still writing. You, sh- you, got a, you got a lot of people you work with. You're, you're describing a lot about them. But, you know, if you're ready, go you ahead. Can, you can, the great thing about this, too, by the way, this little white sheet of paper, is you can repeat this at home. You know, if you lose this or you want to rethink this. Also, you know, you can take this home and you can fill this out some more because we could probably take more time and fill this out. But here on the right-hand side, I want you to write the word play. This is the area that, that you maybe have fun in life. This is where, you know, you go and you get that cup of coffee. It's your barista. It's, you know, where you go if you've got kids and you're watching the kids, you're sitting next to a bunch of other parents, and your kids are playing basketball or baseball or they're swimming or doing gymnastics. It's, you know, where you go and you work out at the gym. It's that gym buddy. It's, it's the bus driver. All these are those other places that kind of fit into this area here. So we talk again, you know, our path of life, our neighborhood is more than just those who live just across the street from us and behind us, but we can begin to see this whole idea of neighboring in 2020, of what it means for us to live and to be a neighbor. The first part of that is, is knowing and identifying, you know, who really are our neighbors. So again, you, you write, you know, brainstorm a bunch of names. If you don't know the names, you know, give a descriptor term or something like that. If you're more artistic, you want to draw a picture, draw a picture of who those folks are. And, and then now, in, as you do this, see how well you know these people. See if you can offer up one factual thing about them, one personal thing about them. Besides, Bob likes the same donut that I like. Well, at least you know something about Bob, right? I don't know why Bob. That came to me at the eight. Service and I just stuck with Bob. You change of the donut. Thanks, Bob, for changing the donut you eat. Now I can have my donut in the morning. <laughs> Live, work, play. A beginning kind of build. What you're building here is a map of your neighborhood. So now as you keep working on that, machine sides here, here at the center of everything. Guess what's at the center? Oh, I just want to see what you're saying. You got a lot of good ideas. Yeah, you kind of are at the center of it, but yes. God, yes, kind of, no. Um, but we're going to use a word, a word that is used in the gospel lesson, and that's the word mercy. Rahem. In Aramaic. So just go ahead and write that word mercy in there. M E R C Y. I almost spelt it wrong instead of telling you how to spell it. But mercy, mercy and compassion, love that our God has for us is the center of our lives and then becomes the center of all of our relationships, all of those who cross paths in our lives. And you think about, you know, who is our neighbor? Uh, some of the neighbors we know, they, they, they look like us, they think like us, they act like us. They're 49er fans, you know, they're Husker fans. We get along really well. Or, you know, they're maybe not. Maybe they're Kansas City fans. I have, I, I'm not rooting for any team. You know, they're, 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 they're a little bit different than we are. But, but you know, they, we have these neighbors. And, and I know this is a bit of a, a more political hot topic now. But, too, we, we have folks that come from different parts of the world. And they become our neighbors as they move into our community. Right now, there's a number of folks that are coming through Lutheran refugee services over the next probably four to six weeks, you know, that are coming through the system. And those, they become our neighbors as we, we work with them. What does it mean for us to live in mercy and compassion with all of those cross our path? And see, I, what I want you to do, too, is I don't want you to view neighboring as a mission to accomplish as a box to check, but rather think about it as a way to cultivate relationships. That is cultivating neighboring relationships. That's that's part of the reason we are involved with Goodrich Middle School and Belmont. We got involved with Dawes Elementary. And as we're involved with those schools, it's about being, for us as a congregation, a good neighbor. About showing compassion and love to our neighbors, of reflecting the love that Christ has for us. Now, what I'd like for you to do next is just to take a few moments here, really quick, brainstorm. You have blank space here. You can write some of that down. But brainstorm together, the folks that are sitting by you, some ways that you can cultivate relationships. So I'll give you an example. You can say, well, we're going to have, you know, a s'mores party. We're going to have a grill out when the weather gets nicer, whatever it is. Just think about some ways you can kind of develop relationships with people as far as especially living out that mercy and love. So don't look at me anymore. You should be turning to each other, having some time to share, jot down some ideas. So as you think about that, you know, I'll give you a few moments here. You can shout out. Anyone have any creative ideas you want to shout out and share? So you're looking at me like these big deer in the headlight kind of eyes, you know. And that's all right, you know. But but you know, think about ideas because it just kind of gets the, the, the wheels going. As again, you think about those areas that, that, that are part of your your life, where you live, where you work, where you play, and that really, as God's mercy, His compassion toward us in Jesus Christ, is the center of our lives. So it's the center of our neighboring here in this community. That we live in our community as our congregation our community of lincoln and all the various communities in which you are part of so as we continue this series here in the month of february we're going to kind of explore this a little bit more what it means for us to neighbor in 2020 what it means for us to share the compassion the love and the mercy our god has for us in jesus now the, the last section here this bottom section here's what i want you to do is if you maybe brainstorm some ideas, but I want you to put in pretty big letters, write the name of someone that you say, you know, I think this is a person God has placed in my heart that if I'm going to not, you know, make it my duty or my task to check, but I'm going to cultivate a relationship with them, this is the person with whom I'll cultivate a relationship. Because that's really the challenge that we're going to give ourselves as we go forward in this month. Just choose someone from your list That you do not know so well and commit to engage them differently this week. So rather than racing Bob to get the donut, maybe I'll meet Bob and find out why this is his favorite donut, too. I'll bring the same kind of donut and we can toast our appreciation for donuts. But as you do that, that, then again, you look at the circle of neighboring and what it means when Jesus again, you know, says to us what he said to that rich young ruler. Go and imitate his example. Go and do likewise. Go and show compassion to others. Let's close with a word of prayer. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing Love, your compassion, your mercy, which you pour out upon our lives in your Son, our Savior, Jesus. Lord, as we kind of went through a little exercise here of, of making a, a map of our neighborhoods and, and in putting that mercy you have for us at the center of our neighboring, we pray that you just help us be more aware, be more attuned to the opportunities that you'll provide for us. Or some of our neighboring will be people that are a lot like us, think like us, look like us, talk like us. Maybe people we've known for a long time. And some of the neighboring, Lord, that you'll put before us may be people that are different than us, that don't think like we do or look like we do. Yet, Lord, you call us to show compassion to everyone, just as you've shown compassion to us and to the world in your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ. Lord, bless us as your spirit works in that word, that we are a neighboring people, a people full of compassion, love, and mercy. We pray this, Jesus, in your name, and God's people say, Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit HolySavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God